Well, good morning to you. It's a delight for me to be here today. I have been here before. Some of you may recall that. My name is Gene Henderson, and uh, I have been serving the Lord for a good while. As a matter of fact, for about 20 years, I was pastor of First Baptist Church in Brandon. And then after I, I tell folks I didn't retire, I redirected. And so then I led the uh, Transformation Jackson organization for a while, and that's where John Hugh and I got connected. And uh, I love and appreciate your pastor. He is one of the finest young men I know, and I'm so proud of him and all that God's doing through him and through you. I, as I said, I've been here before, and it's good to be back again and to uh, renew acquaintances and to, and to share this time together. And I have my sweet bride, Miss Dorothy, down here sitting by Jana, and uh, she, she goes back forever with us uh, uh, to Brandon days, and our daughters were, uh, she was with our daughter, youngest daughter in high school. So it, it's just good to be here. I feel right at home, and what a wonderful fellowship, what a warm fellowship here. Your pastor says to me, he said, well, we're doing this series on salvation, and I want you to speak on spiritual growth. And so that was my assignment. And so I went to work on that. And uh, I want to share with you what I believe will be helpful to all of us. Not anyone here is going to be left out. Just tell you that. this, This message, I think, will be a challenge to all of us. So that when we talk about spiritual growth, what comes to your mind? Well, for me, it is the reality that spiritual growth implies a a, a process. There has to be a beginning. And, of course, obviously there's an end. But it's that middle part that gives us a problem. Uh, That's where we are right now in our spiritual life. In physical uh, life, you know, uh, there's a birth and there obviously is a death. But it's that middle part that we call life. And that, in a real sense, is kind of what we're involved with here in terms of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be one who knows Jesus and is growing in Jesus. So there needs to be some spiritual development. Just like we don't want our children to uh, remain infants, although there are times when we know we love little children and like to keep them there, but the reality is simply this. We want them to grow up, and we need to grow up spiritually. I mean, God's Word tells us that. In the uh, book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verses 14 through 15, which is not our text, but in the Phillips translation, it looks like this. We are not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ. We're to grow up in every way into Christ. So we're supposed to grow. But spiritual growth is not automatic. By the way, y'all did get a worship guy, I mean a study guy there, didn't you? So you can fill in the blanks then. This will, this will help you to remember it. It's something you can have afterwards. You can take that home and ponder some of this. And so I want you to be able to do that. So spiritual growth is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. But, uh, you know, a lot of times people in the church think, well, if I just go to church, I'm going to grow. No, that's not the case. Rather, we are to, we're, to, we're intentionally, as I'll talk about in a minute, uh, seek to grow in Christ. A lot of people today haven't grown up. You know, there are all kinds of squabbles in churches today, and it's because of spiritual immaturity. They haven't grown up. Paul understood that. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 3. One and three. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you still are not ready. 
And he goes on to say, since there's among you uh, jealousy and quarreling, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And so as Paul addressed that problem then, that raises a question with me, are we any different now? The fact of the matter is there's just a lot of spiritual immaturity around us, and God doesn't want that, and so I want to try to help you today as we think about how to grow and to mature in our walk with God. And so in order to do that, we're going to be looking at the book of 2 Corinthians, one verse in particular, verse 18 in chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, but before I read that verse of Scripture, I want to, uh, I want to kind of give you the setting. You need to understand that in chapter 3, Paul is drawing a contrast. The contrast is between the law and the life in the Spirit. And basically what he says, we were under the law, because he's writing primarily to Jews, he's saying that we were under the law, but no, we're not under the law anymore. Then he makes an interesting thing. He says, but you know, the law itself had glory with it. And he, and he cites the illustration, when Moses went up on the mountain and got the law, when he came down, what did he look like? Well, his face was shining, but it began to fade away. And so that he says down here in verse 13, and so he put a veil so that the children of Israel couldn't see the fading away of that light. And then he would go back on the mountain and start shining again, but he kept that veil. Then Paul says, now that veil is still over the eyes of the Jewish people who have not given their life to Christ. They don't understand this. That's that's what he says in verse 14. He says that uh, their minds are hardened. And look at the last part. Because it is removed. That veil is removed in Christ. So you have to come to Christ in order to have the veil removed. But now the people that he's writing who are followers of Christ have had it removed. Now look at verse 18. Here he says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, let me give it to you in another translation. In the NLT, uh, the New Living Translation says, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now, remember, we're we're talking about the veil. And what he's saying here is, but we've had that veil removed. And because of that, now we're being changed, We're, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. Now, as I look at verse 18, there are, I think, three different stages reflected in that verse. The first one is, of course, that there has to be a beginning. Now, we call that transformation, and it begins with conversion. There has to be, there must be a time when that veil is removed. He refers to it here as the veil removed or an unveiled face, and what he's saying is that These people who are Jewish that have never given their life to Christ or Gentiles who've never given their life to Christ, they don't understand this because they've never come to the place of making Jesus the Messiah in in their life. And so they need to do that. That veil is removed in Christ. Look at verse 16. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
When a person turns to the Lord, when they come to Christ and receive Jesus, the veil is taken away. They are then able to see. So conversion is that point in life where a person sees the truth about Jesus, sees the truth about themselves, and then they receive Christ as Lord. Now, without that happening, they're never going to understand. You can't grow spiritually if you don't have a beginning. you got to have the birth. Now, in the next chapter, Paul's still dealing with some of the same thing. Look at what he says in verse 3 and 4 in chapter 4. But even if our gospel is veiled... In other words, they're blinded by it. It's veiled to those who are perishing, those who are away from God. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. The reality is simply this. Until someone is made aware by the work of the Holy Spirit of their sin, their sin nature, and that they need Christ, and then they receive Christ, they continue to be blinded and unable. That's the reason the gospel doesn't make sense to people who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, Jesus taught the same thing. He just used different words. For example, in John chapter 3, Jesus says this, Very truly, I say to you, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. Now, conversion and born again are terms that describe one and the same experience, one and the same event. It is the place when a person comes to Christ, gives their life to Christ, and that is the beginning of their salvation and their, when they are, are converted. Now, let me be clear here. To be converted, to be born again, is not the same as being baptized. It's not the same as being uh, joining the church. It is an event, it's something, it's a spiritual experience where the Holy Spirit brings us to an understanding of our spiritual need. We surrender to Christ and something happens in us. We get a new heart. The Holy Spirit makes us a new person. And then because of that, we are baptized to tell everybody else about it. We become a part of a fellowship because we want to live and grow and help other people to come to know the same thing. So that's, that's where we are now. So point number one is that transformation begins with conversion. Point number two, and this is where we need to uh, probably hone in a little bit more, and that is this, that our transformation is a process. That is spiritual growth. Salvation itself, it, it, it grows. Now, theologically, you start out with justification, sanctification, glorification. Probably you know, maybe some of you heard those words before. But we're talking about that sanctification, that spiritual growth and development. It is a process. So spiritual growth is not something that happens at the point when you're converted. It's something that happens afterwards. Just like you get born physically, and then you walk through some stages as you move toward maturity. And it's a process. Well, that process is incremental. Look again at our text here, and notice what it says. He makes us more and more like him. Or I like the way it says it in the Message Bible. And here it says, our lives are gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our life and we become like him. Now the key here is upon more and more in the NLT and gradually becoming brighter in the message. It is something that doesn't happen instantly. It's something that takes time. Now... We don't have any problem understanding that physically, do we? We know that babies are born, and we love little babies. I love little babies 
but I sure don't want them to stay little babies. And, and, and we just have had our third great-grandchild born last week, and she is absolutely gorgeous. I have picked... No, I don't have time for that. <laughs> now, the, 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 uh, but the point I'm making here is that we want to see them grow up. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. We want to see folks grow spiritually, and in order for that to happen, that we need to understand that it's something that takes place over a period of time. And just like people don't grow physically at the same rate or at the, in the same size, same thing applies spiritually. We're, we're, not, we're not all alike. We all have the same birth, but we all then develop according to the way God has created each one of us. And you understand this physically. In order for a person to grow physically, that infant has to have what? A mature person. They have to have a parent to help take care of them. They have to nurture them and, and, and enable them, help them to grow. Well, what about spiritually? The same thing is true. And what that means is the responsibility of those of us who are, quote, mature is to care for those new believers, to help them to come. We do that by modeling in our own life. Our children, they, they copy us. So you're living an example to your children, and they're going to be like you. But in addition to that, you also teach them and train them, and we need to do that spiritually as well as physically. So let me just share this with you. Followers of Christ need to move forward in at least five stages. One is they need to move from knowing Christ, that's stage one, to loving Christ, to growing in Christ, to serving Christ, and sharing Christ. Now think about the, just think of that as, you know, uh, infant, adolescence, you know, uh, teenager, young adult. I mean, this is where we, we need to grow in this process from knowing Christ to loving Christ to growing in Christ to share, uh, serving Christ to sharing Christ. That's a part of the process. Now, listen to me. Where are you in that process? I mean, you're to grow. We're all to grow. And a true disciple, that is to say a, a truly mature disciple, is one who has come to the place where they are sharing Jesus with other people and helping them to become disciples who can make disciples of others. That's God's plan. But unfortunately, it gets short-circuited because too often times we interpret our Christian faith as something that is mine for me. And fail to understand, no, your Christian faith is a gift from God so that you can share it with other people and to help others become followers of Christ as well. And so it's incremental. It's also intentional. That is to say, as I said earlier, spiritual growth is not automatic. Now, we know that children have to be uh, nourished. They have to have certain things in order for them to develop spiritually. Well, the same thing is true, and, and, and it doesn't just happen. It has to be intentional. In this case, the infant doesn't, uh, is not the one that's intentional about it. Others are. But in our case, as we grow spiritually, it's something that we need to be about. And each person must make the decision to pursue it. Someone said this, you are as close to God as you choose to be. Now, you process that. You are as close to God as you choose to be. The reality is this, God wants to be intimate with you. But God can't be intimate with you if you are not seeking to be intimate with Him. He wants to have a very close personal relationship with you. 
And he has made himself available. And he's saying to you and to me, come unto me, all ye. That's what Jesus says. And so we need to understand that. And so spiritual life, spiritual growth then, involves effort on our part. It also involves God. It's, it's, a, it's a both hand. Just like salvation begins when the Holy Spirit quickens you and makes you aware of your sin, and then your response is one of faith and surrender. Well, in your spiritual life, God's still at work, and you are still at work. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Now watch this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, watch this, who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now process that a little bit. What is he saying? He didn't say, now work for your salvation. That's not what he says. He says, work out your salvation. The Holy Spirit has come to live in you. Now let the Holy Spirit work through you and grow and develop. It is God who is in you who is at work to help you to do this, to enable you, to create for you the desire and also the ability to fulfill what God has has called you into. So here's the reality. The reality is that you only grow by making spiritual commitments and fulfilling them. You only grow by making commitments. So that means I have to decide I'm going to grow. I have to decide I don't want to stay here. I want to be more of what God wants me to be. And when you do that, you can grow, and God will help you to do it. And, and, you know, when you look at the life of Jesus and his relationship with the disciples, they model this. I mean, think about it. Jesus began at a very, very low level of commitment with the disciples. But he led them to a total commitment. And in fact, what you find is that he, the process began in John 1. Andrew comes and, and said, Lord, wait, come and see, Jesus says. So it's a come and see. And so they come and see. Then Jesus says, trust me. Then Jesus says, now that you trust me, follow me. And when they followed him, finally he says, die for me. Each one of these levels of commitment requires a a greater commitment on the part of the individual. And the same thing is true in your life and in mine. This process works out in the same same way in our life. For example, perhaps you're here and this is your first time being in this church. Maybe you haven't been in church ever. I don't know. Well, that's a place to begin. Or... Probably, there's some of you here who say, well, I come here all the time. Well, are you a member of this church? No, I just come here. Well, then you need to pray about being a member. You see, you need to invest your life where you're being fed. And so you need to be a member of this church. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you need to be a part of a body that can help you grow and you can help others to grow. But you say, well, I'm a member of the church. That's good. What are you doing here? How are you serving? Are you in the leadership role? Are you a part of the core? There were some folks here this morning at 9.30. I mean, these folks are, have a different level of commitment because they want, to, they want their life to count. And I'm saying to you, wherever you are, whatever level you are, God is saying to you, go to the next level. 
Don't be content to stay where you are. God doesn't want you there, and you don't need to be there. Remember the Ephesians passage? But we are to grow up in all aspects, all aspects into Him. We're to grow up in every way to be like Jesus. And so we should continue to grow regardless of our age. I heard it said, some folks have grown old without ever growing up. And I think it's true. I think there are some folks who have been members of the church for years and years and years, but spiritually, they have not advanced very far from where they were when they first started out. And so we need to grow. Let me just say a word of encouragement to you here. Uh, It takes time and it takes effort to grow, physically and, and spiritually. And so a lot of times people get discouraged. When, when they don't see results, they, they get discouraged. What I'm trying to help you understand is you don't just become mature overnight. You don't know the Bible like so-and-so knows the Bible overnight. You don't live at a level of faith that somebody else has overnight. But you grow as you take little steps of faith, as you engage in God's Word, as we'll talk in a minute. You, you begin to grow, and over a period of time, you can become. So don't let the enemy tell you, you're no good. You're never going to be able to get this. You're not going to. That's not true. God is at work in you, both to will and to do what He wants you to do. And so it's incremental, it's intentional, but it is also individual or personal. It's individual or personal. Now, here's what I have observed. That we have made a mistake at two levels. We want to make disciples in a six-week program, and we want to do it in a large group setting. In other words, we want to do the masses at a time. Are you ready for this? Disciples are not mass-produced. They're not. I mean, when you look at Jesus, what you find is that he chose 12, focused on three, and spent three years training them, preparing them for the work that he was going to give them. And when he left, they still had a lot of learning to go. And so I think we need to understand that in ours. Each one of us is different. We have a different personality. We have different uh, traits. They're just uh, different uh, abilities and skills. But what we do have in common is that we can all grow. And we can become whatever it is that God wants us to be. But in order to do that, we have got to feed ourselves. We've got to exercise. We've got to do those things that you, they, you would think about in physical growth. For example, there are some spiritual disciplines that can help you grow. One of them is prayer. We talk about prayer all the time. But now, how much praying do you do? And, and, and I think we need to delve into this. A lot of times people think prayer is just asking God for, for all this stuff. That's not prayer. And that's an aspect of prayer, but it's not all prayer. For example, I can identify several different aspects of prayer. There is praise, where you just focus on Him, worship Him, like we were doing in these wonderful songs that we were being led in. That's, that's, pr- that's pr- prayer. Not only that, but there's also uh, gratitude, thanksgiving, I mean, think about all that God's done for you. Have you said thank you to him for all he's done for you? You need to do that. Not only that, but there's also penitence. You know what penitence is? That's because I've messed up, Lord, and I need some forgiveness. And so you come to him as the one, the only one who can forgive, and you ask him to forgive. That's prayer. 
And then there's petition. You do have needs, and you ask God about those things. But then I think one of the greater levels of, of, of prayer is, inter- is intercession, where you pray for other people. You're not focusing on you. You're focusing on others. Grow in that. The Word of God. I mean, reading the Bible is one level. You need to read the Bible. But now, if all you do is read it, then you're not going to gain all that God wants you to have. You need to meditate on it. And I wish I had time to, to just camp out on that a little bit, what it means to meditate on the Word of God. Focus upon it. Dwell on it. Let it feed you. Focus and do that. Memorize it. It is amazing how God's Word will come to you at the precise moment when you need it if you have memorized it. And then, of course, the ultimate thing is you've got to apply it. You've got to put it into action in your life. And as you do that, then you will begin to mature in your understanding and your uh, uh, ability to use the Word of God for His glory. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the other area is serving. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but serve. So you've got to find where it is that God wants you to serve. Now, the reality is simply this. God has gifted every one of us in some way. We don't all have the same gift. But every one of us has a gift, and God intends us to use those gifts to complement one another, to fulfill the work of his body. And so as you do that, now we're talking about spiritual growth. How am I going to grow spiritually? I'm telling you, just like you have to eat food, and just like you have to exercise to grow physically, you need to pray and read God's word, and you need to serve. And those are some of the disciplines. There are others that will help you to grow. Now, Remember what we said previously? We're talking about here being personal, intentional, uh, individual. But previously was uh, intentional. Until you say, I am going to intentionally do those things, you're not going to grow. Or at least you're not going to grow very much. If you want to maximize your growth, then you need to do what God's called you to do. And do those, those three. The fourth thing that I would share with you, and that is spiritual growth is relational. It is relational. We need other followers of Christ to help us to grow. We have to have other followers. Now, sometimes I've heard people say this. Well, I can be a Christian without the church, or me and Jesus got our own thing going. Now, I want to tell you that that statement or those statements reflect an ignorance of Scripture. Because nowhere in the Bible... Do you find that a follower of Christ can exist and grow without other followers? Now, it's logical. Think about this. What is the church? Well, it's the body of Christ. That's right. Now, who's the head? Jesus. Okay, what are we? We are the members. Now, if I whack off my arm and lay it over yonder, is it going to be able to grow? Is it going to be able to be useful? No. Why? Because it's not attached to my body. In the same way, you or anybody else who does not identify with the body of Christ are going to be useless and ineffective, and you're going to dry up. You have to be a part of this. Think about it this way. Spiritual growth is not about head knowledge. It's about a heart experience. It's about experiencing life. I mean, Paul writes in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, but while knowledge makes us feel important... It is love that strengthens the church. 
It's love that develops the church. Now, how can you learn to love and not be in fellowship with other believers? You've got to be in fellowship with other believers in order to learn to love and to help other people to grow in this as well. Think of it this way. There are 52 commandments in the Bible you can't keep without being a part of the church. 52. Let me give you an illustration. Here are three of them. Hebrews 10. Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Three one another's in that, that, those two verses. There are 52 one another's in the Scripture. And you can't fulfill those one another's if you're not one of the folks in the body of Christ. And so it is relational. Spiritual growth requires us being a part of a fellowship, the body of Christ like this. The third thing that I would share with you quickly is that transformation is reflected in this verse of Scripture that we read because it concludes with Christ-likeness. Transformation concludes with Christ-likeness. Look at what it says in the New American Standard. We are being transformed into the same image. Or in the NLT, it says, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so what we find here is that it is as we behold Him, as we focus upon Jesus, as we allow Him to become the center of our thinking, as we focus on Him with our minds and our thoughts, then we begin to become like Him and we begin to reflect His glory because He comes to live more and more in us. And He inhabits us. And so in a real sense, spiritual growth is incarnational. It's incarnational. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The the idea of the Word became flesh and dwelt among us is the incarnation. That's what we say. Jesus, God, the, the Son, came to be in a earthly body. That's the incarnation. Now we're saying that in order for you and me <clears throat> to mature, and a reflect, a, a, an indication of our maturity is when Jesus comes to live in us. The objective of our spiritual growth is for Christ to become real in our lives. Rick Warren made this statement recently, <clears throat> and I heard him say it. The Christian life is not imitation, but inhabitation. See, it's not that we're to be like Jesus, It is that Jesus is to be in us and to live in and through us. He inhabits us. Let me give you a scripture for that. Paul in Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now he goes on to talk about living by faith, this life that he has, but it is Christ living in him. And that's precisely what needs to happen in your life and in mine as well. We are to allow Him to take priority and precedence in our life. Now, one of these days we're all going to be like Jesus, completely, in the sense that we are going to be conformed to His image. Paul writes that, Romans chapter 8, he says in verse uh, 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So, just know this, 
God's intention for all of us is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, we don't have to wait till we get to the end for that to happen. It can happen as we are growing right now, and that's the goal of our spiritual growth. Now, we will be, thank the Lord, like Jesus. I know that because the Scripture says that. Here's what it says in uh, 1 John. Dear friends, now are we the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so this morning, that's the hope. That's, the, that's what we're looking for, spiritual growth. See, this idea of sanctification ultimately culminates when we become like Jesus. So the question this morning, the challenge to all of us is, where are you? Where are you in the spectrum we've been talking about? What level are you in your spiritual growth? Has the veil been removed? Have you begun this spiritual journey? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, 15, 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. You need to reflect on your life. Has there come a point in time when the veil was taken away, when you said, Jesus, I surrender all to you? And if you haven't done that, Nothing else is going to happen spiritually for you until you do. That's where God, that's where you begin. And I invite you this morning to give your heart and your life to Christ. But you say, oh, well, I've made that decision. Wonderful. Most of us have. So now then, the question is not, has the veil been removed? The question is, okay, how much have I grown? How conscious am I of growing itself? And, and the reality is that we never stop growing. No matter what your physical age, you never stop growing spiritually. We haven't arrived. The Apostle Paul says, I'm chief of sinners. He says, I'm pressing on toward the mark of the high callings in Christ. He never stopped growing. Don't you be satisfied to stop. Don't be satisfied where you are. Will you make a commitment today? Say, I am going to grow. I am going to become more like Christ. I am going to... Begin some spiritual disciplines that will help me to grow. Whatever it is that God's telling you you need to do, move to the next level. I pray that you will do exactly that. What about involvement here in this church? Are you a member? I asked the question earlier. If you're an attender but not a member, let me tell you that if you really want to accelerate your spiritual growth, become a member. Become a part of this fellowship. I like what Jana was saying earlier when she was saying, when we started out in a church plant, I'd never been a part of a church plant, but she said everybody had to pull their weight. Everybody had to do the job. We're not a church plant anymore. But listen, I want you to hear this. Everybody still needs to pull their weight. There is something for everybody to do. But if you're not a member, you can't do that. Please, ask God to show you. And if he does, come be a part of this family. If you are part of the family already, then I want to ask you, are you serving in leadership roles? Are you willing to accept a greater responsibility? Jesus led those disciples from one level of commitment to another level of commitment, but every level of commitment that you move requires a deeper and and greater sacrifice. Are you willing to do that? I pray that you will, and I pray that you'll do it today. Let's pray together.
Holy Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and to rehearse this scripture that has meant so much to me and even the idea of what it means to be growing Christ. Lord, would you help each one of us here today to see where we are? And then, Lord, I pray that you will lead each one to make the commitment that they need to go to the next level. Father, if there's someone here who's never had the veil removed, let them say yes to Jesus today and give their heart and life to him. And for those of us who have had the veil removed, Lord, help us to be willing to say to Jesus, whatever it takes for me to become like you, I'm willing to pay that price. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. So, Lord, in this invitation time, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.